and we'll get started. All right, well, first and foremost, just a thanks to you all for the way that you selflessly give your time, your energy, your focus to the children across way. I mean, I think about the different ways in which week after week, Sunday after Sunday, that if you open any classroom down here, you're going to see a uh, army of volunteers who are on the floor, sitting at desks with crayons in hand, with glue, with arts and crafts, teaching from scripture, there with our children, training them in the way of the Lord. And that's what's going on through Entrust. That's the goal, that's the mission, and that's certainly what you're doing. And I'm very grateful, I speak on behalf of the pastors, certainly on behalf of parents. I am not only a pastor, but I'm, an in, I'm invested in this ministry myself. As you know, all five of my children have been through, Wesley currently is a 10-year-old uh, going into fifth, fifth grade? No, fourth grade. Ask Brenda, she's not here, she'll keep it straight. But this is, I think, is the last year of Entrust. So we've had all of our children go through Entrust, and we have seen the fruit and the benefit of having our children week after week with their friends, with the other parents and other adults in, in Entrust, being a part of their spiritual journey. It has been such a blessing, and there's an imprint. And I, th I can think of many examples of, of individual people in the church who have left a mark, an imprint. On my children, like I, I think of—I uh, mean, even just in general. If you think about whenever our, our families gather on, a, on the Lord's Day to worship Jesus, it's not just that we're a collective group of individuals who are here to to receive some spiritual blessing and to find ourselves happier in Jesus alone. No, we're we're gathering to be together. There's such a together part of what it means to be the, the, the Church of Jesus. What it means to be together is that we're here to build one another up in love. We're here to influence and care for each other. And by extension, I think of my children, and this kind of intersects with entrust, but beyond entrust, so much of my children's, for instance, those who are born again, their testimony will include some of those moments, whether it's in entrust classroom or, or maybe an encounter with Sam Privetera who, who makes a quarter come out of their ear, or like those kind of moments where you are influencing my children for Jesus. And I hope and pray certainly that, that my wife and I and our family can be and have been a use to your children. And that's such a beautiful part of what God calls the church to be, is that we are helping each other in bringing our children to Jesus. Like it's, we're really all like, like herding cats, right? Like it's like we're all together pointing the way to Jesus. And I can't do this alone. I need the church and I need your help. And you've been that for my family. You know, entrust ministry, your care, your influence, your preparation. Even though you think about the hours or the times that you're looking with a kind of a blank slate in your brain. What am I supposed to do tomorrow morning when I get into that classroom? Well, the time you put in that evening and something came together, that time has paid off. And my children, and I know many, even in this room, you were, you were raised in this environment. You received the blessing of that preparation week after week. So I'm very grateful. I, I just uh, want to start with a word of gratitude and, and to give thanks to God ultimately for this. Because he has supplied you, your heart, your care, your desire to be a blessing to the families and to the children of Crossway. So I'm very grateful. So with this, the agenda for today is, is just a, quite simple. I'd like to walk us through a, the state of entrust 
just a high mark uh, some of the things that we have seen over the last year or so, just to note, hey, this is where we've, this is what we've come through. And a lot of, a lot of it, most of it, really all of it's just more gratitude, more praise to God for his goodness to us. Then after that, what I'd like to do after the state of entrust, I'd like to take some time to talk about the place of entrust in discipleship. That's, that's a, absolutely essential that we understand from Scripture what is it we're doing, what is it we're called to do when we disciple, when we are being disciples, when we're helping disciple one another, including, and in trust, discipling our little ones. And I want to I situate that on the map together today. And then finally, uh, there's going to be a, a, a big discussion here on some, some things that are coming down the pike uh, that Shiloh will, will share as well as I'll be involved with in, in, in casting some vision for that. And then that will close our time. So again, hopefully by in about an hour's time, by 1, one fifteen at the latest, we'll, we'll seek to wrap things up. Okay? And at any point, if you have questions or if I'm being unclear or stumbling, please uh, feel free to raise a hand and uh, we'll clear it up. All right? <clears throat> All right, let's talk about the state of entrust. What are some of the things we could look to that we could rejoice in and see the grace the kindness of God. I think of, for instance, currently, one thing that's a major marker is that we only have 11 slots, teacher slots remaining for recruitment for the next school year, for 2023-2024. Only 11 remain. Only. And I mean that. It's, that might, you might think, well, 11, that's a lot. But there's a ton. <laughs> if you were to see the roster schedule and what's involved and the amount of volunteers required to pull this all together, you'd realize that 11 people remaining is a small slice of what has happened, what's already transpired over the last couple months. And this is all before, most of this has happened before any call has gone out to the church. So this is last week, we sent an all church email. That was the first time that we sent any formal declaration of, hey, please sign up. Here's the link, click on this. Prior to that, it's all been just word of the mouth and you all re-upping for a teaching or an assisting or a helper slot for 2023-2024. And that's remarkable that we're at this point with only 11 slots remaining and just now we're sending out the call for help. And we, we hope that uh, the next couple of weeks and spread the word. Uh, it's always helpful. I, I say, you know, Shiloh, we're just talking about this. You know, emails are so ineffective in certain ways because they're so impersonal, right? So, for instance, if you try to pull together some event and you send an email blast, chances are you're going to get like zero like response. It, it just doesn't work. It's impersonal. But what does work, however, is if it, you, you all, and in trust currently, are aware of people who are well suited for this, who are not involved, who don't know how to get involved. If you were to go to them, member, other members of Crossway that you know, you know they would be perfect for this. I would urge you and encourage you to make a personal invitation because that goes a lot longer and a lot, a lot more effective than any email blast can go, okay? So let me just encourage that and put a bug in people's ears to get involved with and trust in the next couple weeks. Hopefully, Lord willing, we'll see those final slots filled in. Uh, and then certainly if you haven't yet filled in your slot, maybe you're here and you haven't re-upped, please do. Uh, just follow the instructions. If you go to the registration tab at the Crossway website, so crosswaypa.org, go to registrations, you'll see right there in trust signups. 
click on that and you'll see what slots remain. So please do that ASAP and, and we'll keep things rolling. So that's the state of things. The state of recruitment is one thing to just give thanks and praise to God. And I think of last year's recruitment, same story, like the Lord just brought all the right people. And here you are, many of you, the right people just brought into the right places at the right time. And the Lord has supplied all the volunteers we need and we're grateful for that. Another thing, a state of our key leaders, just how the Lord has not only provided you, the volunteers, the manpower week after week, but the Lord has supplied and trust ministry with really key godly people who carry you in their hearts, carry what goes on Sunday after Sunday in their hearts, carry the curriculum in their hearts and minds, carry the concern of how can we see this ministry improve and grow both for our children, but also for you and your experience and you fulfilling the task and the role that you've been given. And that's, I, I give thanks and I, I praise the Lord for Shiloh, for her husband by her side. I think of Marie Groff, Patty Smith, Kara Forrest, Brittany Albright, and, and then certainly wouldn't, can't, can't go without saying Dave Howell and the way that he serves in administration in the church and how much he overlaps all that's going on in these kind of events and through a trust. So can we give thanks to God for these key people? <laughs> all right. All right, another thing to mark in the state of entrust is just the, the state of our, our footprint, of, our, of the, the areas we now are filling. Like this is the first year, a year has passed, almost exactly, that we have been in this new space. And this has been such a huge blessing. To have this whole dedicated lower level now is just focused on entrust in our classrooms for kids. And that has been a blessing. There's a benefit on, on so many levels for this. And we're very grateful. And this tool, I think, is, is mightily serving the purposes for our entrust ministry. So very grateful to God for that. Uh, and then finally, just one thing is the state of technology. Uh, you know, I, I am a, I'm a big fan of technology. So I like it, certainly when things advance and improve. And I will say that to see our check-in and the software and, and other things that are in development currently that Shiloh will get over, we'll, we'll share in a few moments. You know, all these things also are a blessing and a something that, that marks the state of things of improvement. And I'm, I'm very grateful for that. So I, I, uh, I, maybe you don't care about technology, but I, I do. Someday we're just gonna have uh, barcodes on the forehead and right hand of everybody to get in and trust. And I'm looking forward to that day. <laughs> I'm totally kidding. We're not going to do that. That's like in Revelation and we're all going to die. Okay. <clears throat> all right, moving on. So the state of entrust, hopefully these are just brief markers just to talk about the grace and, and God's provision and, and making this ministry what it is today. I'm very grateful for that. Now let's move on to cast a little vision here to talk through Christian discipleship because entrust, I, I, I hope you understand this. That entrust is in existence because we want to make disciples. We want to make disciples. This is not primarily a child care facility. This is not primarily a, an effort to release parents of the burden of their children for two hours a morning on a Sunday. That's not the purpose. In fact, many churches for thousands of years have gone without Sunday school for children, have gone without children church, have gone without things like entrust because they're keeping the kids in their service. And there's a conviction behind that. There's reasons for that. But we've chosen to order things this way because we believe this plays a role, entrust ministry plays a role 
in Christian discipleship. It exists to create and to make disciples. So what we're going to talk about here is in trust that leads somewhere. It's a part of a process. There is a process that we have in mind. And so, certainly it follows the ages of our children as they grow up. So starting in trust, age one, you have those toddlers who are still, you know, pooping their pants, doing the hula hula dance. And there's not a whole lot of, anybody get the reference for that? Am I the only one who got that? You remember that? Uh, it's, it's an old, okay, did you get it though? Okay, never mind. It's like someone, so, uh, so, uh, like Doug and Brenda sitting in a tree. Okay, uh, never mind. Okay, you, I totally lost on everyone there. Sorry, you could scrub that from your minds. Yeah, thanks. Um, so Christian discipleship, where we're locating in trust from ages one through age four or fourth grade. And it's at that point then they're you know, moving on graduating to what has now become kind of the middle section, Doctrine 101, where in Doctrine 101, we are catechizing our children. We are working through what is the London Baptist, the 1689 London Baptist Confession of Faith, had an associate catechism that goes along with it. We're taking our kids, our students at this point, ages you know, fifth and sixth grade, are going through 100, I think it's like 115, 117 questions, I forget. But the Q&A, and you're familiar with catechisms, by the way. Catechisms, you know, the first question of the catech of most of the Reformed catechisms is, what is the chief end of man? It is? You know it. You already, I mean, wow, look at that. You, you are, you've been sufficiently catechized, at least on the first question. Now there's 116 more, whatever it is. But the catechism exists as a training tool. They've been around for hundreds and hundreds of years where the church has faithfully sought to train up our children in the way they should go using a question-answer format that's easily memorizable, that's a word, where it's easily, it chunks the, the doctrines and the truths, the precious things that every person really should know. If we're going to faithfully grow in Christ and in the knowledge of God, these are the things we need to know. And the catechism breaks those things down in a very helpful and teachable way. Well, we're working our kids through that, Doctrine 101. It's a two-year cycle. I'm not sure if you know that. But fifth and sixth grade, that's a time frame that we're working the kids through all those hundreds or so questions. And uh, I'm very grateful to God. We're nearing the end of the second year. This is a brand new uh, curriculum that has been brought up around the catechism. And uh, we're coming to the second and final year, uh, to the end of that second and final year in this next, actually in August. So the end of August will be the last 24th uh, session, the 24th class of the state of, uh, of this new Doctrine 101 course. Very excited about that. I, I just, I'm, I'm very grateful as well to those, the men who have been involved. There's several guys I think would be important to point out. Very grateful to God for these men, for their way of serving weekend Every week, I'm sorry, every month for Doctrine 101 training. One of them being Greg Gaiman, uh, Brad Gibbs, Quay Hanna, Tom Bushy, Gordon Pawson. These men have joined with me to teach our children, our, our fifth and sixth graders, through Doctrine 101. And that's just been awesome. And now, as you're aware, we had been including seventh graders for a while. That was only because of COVID and some of the loss of time that we, we had encountered during that season. Well, now hopefully we're resetting where it's just fifth and sixth grade in, the, in this year and the years ahead. But that's part of the pipeline, if we can look at it that way. And then leading to DOXA, where in seventh grade, our children are then launched into this whole new realm, right? 
of, of like month, several meetings a month and parents are now your parents of teens. And it's just a whole new, whole new way of living, right? A whole new experience of parenting. And that is in, in doxa. But through it all, what I want to get down to is kind of the substrata beneath all of that. And the heartbeat behind all of that is evangelism plus discipleship. And we get this from Matthew 28, the Great Commission. This is a well-known verse. You know it. Some of you probably have it memorized. And Jesus came and said to them, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. This is Jesus' instructions to the disciples before he ascends into heaven, his parting words. And he provides us with what is the purpose of the church? What is the mission of the church? Well, two things, evangelism and discipleship. And I think of entrust, it's, it's very much a... a an interesting blend of those two things all the time, all at once. Because you think about any classroom setting in Entrust. Like, for instance, this morning, many of you served in a classroom in Entrust. What was going on there? Well, sitting, seated before you, likely, if like, for instance, if you're in the, the uh, let's, let's just pick out a grade, you know, first graders, maybe you're all, is there a first grade class? No. Uh, yeah, there's a first grade class. I'm, I've always forget if it's fourth to six-year-olds or first grade, I... I can't keep things straight. But anyway, you are sitting there on the floor with the first graders. And before you is probably a really big mix of regenerate children and unregenerate children. Children who have already trusted in Jesus. God has opened their hearts to believe the gospel. And maybe that happened at the ripe age of four, right? For some of you, you were born again at age four. The Lord opened your heart to believe, right? Where you don't even remember a time when you didn't love Jesus, when you didn't know that you needed a savior and you trusted in him, right? So for some of the children seated on the ground before you where you're, you're working and ministering in, in a trust, they, they know the Lord. They, they've trusted in Jesus. And now they're, they're growing up in their faith. And there's others who are unregenerate, who do not yet know, right? And the challenge there is that you're looking at two types of people to, who, knew, who need two different things, right? One requires, they need to know and be persuaded that they are a sinner in need of a savior. Now, certainly all Christians need to be reminded of that constantly. So it's not like we have two different messages. Obviously, we're telling the children all the same thing. But the application certainly will be, will be different. And some of those children, you know, though they've been in the church all their lives, the challenge is, and this is often the challenge when you have children born in the church, is there's this massive assumption that we can all make. If we're around Christians and Christian doctrine, if we're around the gospel, if we've heard Jesus' name enough times, we can begin to believe, ah, I must be a Christian, right? That could be the temptation of every child who has been born in a Christian family. And that certainly could be the, uh, the, the temptation of adults, right? Who just happen to be seated near Christians or who, who live in proximity to other Christians, where they can believe and the culture would have them believe that they're a good person and that all is well. So this is a challenge for us, is that we're dealing with a mix in any given and trust classroom. So with that, with that, what we're called to do is evangelism and discipleship all at the same time, pure aid. We're called to evangelize, to, to go, therefore, and make disciples, right, as Jesus taught. We're calling them, persuading them of the name of Jesus, that he alone can save and that they need him. And then we're also discipling at the same time for those little disciples who are seated before us who have trusted. We're teaching them to observe everything that Jesus commanded them. 
And until they believe, until they have a new heart that the Holy Spirit gives them through regeneration, they cannot possibly obey all that Jesus commanded. So that's a prerequisite, that someone's born again before they can walk in the laws and the commands of God with grace and with joy. You need a new heart. And for those who are truly believers, we are discipling them in that way. And that's discipleship. Discipleship is simply teaching others, helping one another. And this is what we're doing. Helping you, helping me to obey everything that Jesus taught us. That's what we're doing until he returns. That's what we did upstairs when we received communion. That's what we do when we sit under his word and it's preached. That's what we do when we gather in small groups. We're helping one another, teaching one another, helping one another to obey everything, every single thing that Jesus commanded us so that no one thing that he said is left undone. Okay? So that's what we're called to do. Certainly in trust, it's going to look very different in, in a care group setting. But there is that beautiful picture of, of this blending of evangelism and discipleship that's going on constantly. So I am so grateful because, again, as a parent, as when I think about this process of evangelism and discipleship that has to occur, are you not grateful, moms and dads especially, that you're not in this alone? Aren't you glad? That first and foremost, it doesn't rest on your shoulders to save your kids. That's impossible. You are not Jesus Christ. You do not have the power to open a heart. You do not have it in you to lead them directly to the Savior so that they might be born again. Only God can do that. Only God can do that. So that's a, number one, that's a great comfort for moms and dads and certainly for all of us who are working with children. It's a comfort to know that the weight, the burden, the responsibility ultimately isn't ours to hold. I can't do it. In one sense, I'm not the locomotive. I'm just one lowly coal car in the train, right? What can a coal car do? Well, it can carry stuff. It can be helpful, useful to the to those who want to lead it somewhere. But Jesus alone is the locomotive. Jesus Christ alone has the energy, the power, the strength to be able to pull the whole train where it needs to go. And God is regularly adding cars and finally, the caboose, so the last person is saved. Wouldn't that be a great thing? That you get to be the last person into the kingdom of heaven. You're the caboose. <laughs> How fun would that be? There's going to be one. Like, you know that. Like, the, the last day is going to come. The Lord's going to shut the door. And there's going to be one person, like, on the, like, just shut on them. And they're going to turn around like, whoa. It's going to be that amazing moment of joy and, and celebration in heaven that the Lord has done all that he promised to do to save all of his elect that not one was lost, not one, but they're all there. And that's going to be a glorious moment. So there will be a caboose. <clears throat> but until that day, we're going to do our part, right? But we don't do it alone. And we don't have the power, the ability to pull that off. We need Jesus to do that as a locomotive. But then more than that, just to, again, speak to the reality that we do this together, that you must influence my children if my children are going to be faithful disciples. You have to. And I have to, we have to influence each other's children in order for them to become faithful, fruitful disciples. That's the picture of what it means to be a part of the church, is that we influence and spur one another on to love and good deeds, right? Hebrews 10. That's the command of Jesus to the church. Therefore, my children need you, and certainly by God's grace, we need each other. And we help each other in this very in this very thing. I'm very, very encouraged that Entrust provides space and time. It provides a meaningful place where that actually can happen. 
where my children are forced, I love it, they're forced to have to sit under the loving care and discipleship of you, right? They don't have a choice. They never did. And they never complained. They loved it. That's the thing. Like my children have loved, every one of them have loved their years in children's ministry and in trust. They love it. They've loved it. They love you. They have so many stories of the different jokes and funny moments or the moments where there was meaningful discussion that, that we debriefed after a Sunday. Like there's so much of that. And I, again, I thank God to rejoice in, in God's goodness to us all. But uh, this is part of the big picture of what God is doing through discipleship and evangelism. So, so from Entrust to Doctrine 101, then to Doxa, right, where things are launched out. And I'm so grateful. Just another mark of God's goodness to our church is Josiah Willis. God's provided Josiah, a young man, who's now the director of, 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 of Doxa. And what a blessing you know, that he, he's now building, standing on, on Quahanna's shoulders, you know, and, and we now have this opportunity to have uh, Josiah in place. Very, very, very grateful for that. So this is what we're doing. We're discipleship, we're evangelism all at the same time. This is what we're seeking to do and to build through in trust. And I wanted to make sure that we keep that ahead. Of, I mean, this is such basic one-on-one stuff. But I think the idea of mission creep is a real thing, that, that you can lose sight of what is our mission once you're in the trenches week in and week out. You kind of lose, you like lose sight of what's the big picture. What are we actually supposed to be doing here? Well, this is it. This is the, the, the rock solid bottom layer foundation of what we're supposed to be doing as believers, the mission of the church, but then uniquely in, in trust and what we're called to do in influencing and leading one another's children to Christ. Okay. So that brings us, I would like to then shift gears. We just kind of gave a picture here of, of what we're called to do. And we're going to now shift gears to talk about large group assembly. This is a development that is just over the last year or so has come into our, uh, you may have had discussions with either Shiloh or, or Dave or myself, or you may have heard or may have discussed this with others involved in trust, that this is something that's been the buzz. We've, we're talking about it. We're trying to understand, is this best? Would this be good? And one thing I, I think what we're, why we're at this point is that we've had the last several years of breathing room that, that has not just been triage trying to find volunteers to fill spots. You know, I think of our of whether it's Shiloh and Bryce or the other team leaders, where on a given Sunday several years ago, I'm not sure if you know this, but for several years running, because of the lack of volunteers or we didn't have all the volunteers we needed, if someone would call out absent, like there wasn't much other than, than that, that they had to jump in to fill the gap. So that that kind of existence within Entrust ends up becoming more of a triage scenario where you're not really able, able to give the brain power and the thought and the planning to how should we be building? How should we be getting better? How should this grow? But by God's grace, he has provided the volunteers and that's now allowed for us to begin to dream and, and think through how can we improve and trust and the experience of both the teachers and the assistants and the helpers, but especially our children. How can we improve and grow what's happening down here? So I'm very grateful that we're at this point. So for the last couple of years, especially the last year, we've been looking at this as an alternative direction for our first through fourth grade. Now you're aware we, we made this gift, this gear shift for the younger ages, fourth through six, not great, but four through six year olds, we have started a big assembly for them. That was years ago, several years ago. 
And that's been going very well. And I think there's a couple lessons that we learned from that time. And as we've looked into this further for the older grades, the elementary grades, that we're, we're, we're getting to a point where we're seeing this really could be a significant blessing. And I want to unpack that for you a little bit to understand what is it, what I'm talking about, and then why. Why are we looking at this? And maybe you're, you, have no, you have nothing to do with the first through third grade or fourth grade classroom. And maybe you signed up for, you know, the one-year-olds. Well, just keep this in mind that this is a part of this. You're a part of this. Like you are in this. You're part of what's going on, including this decision. Your role, your prayers, and certainly you're part of what God's doing in all this. So having said that, don't, I mean, I'm, I know you're not going to check out, but because there's, there's food and you can grab some more food and get re-engaged. So, but for, as we look at this, this is about a year, again, of talking about and pressing forward to this. What we thought and what we, what we thought about in these last, uh, this last season is how can we have optimal placement of gifting? How can we have optimal placement? So for instance, is everyone called to be a teacher? No. no. Who said that? Nice work. <laughs> yes. I thought I was contradicted. Yeah, I mean, I'm affirming her no by saying yes. That's not a weird thing. No, not everyone's called to be a teacher. Is everyone called to be a preacher? No. no. Is everyone called to be a rock star accordion player? Yes. <laughs> yes. Wow, Josh. I'm sorry, brother. There's com there's competition now. No, no. Not everyone could be Josh Coleman, and stop coveting his talent. <laughs> I, I, Kate, right? That's a like those those arms that like just the. It's like he's Atlas. So not everybody's called to certain things and certain functions within the church. That goes without saying. We could go places like, for instance, Corinthians, where, where Corinthians uh, chapter 12, right, where Paul says this, now there are varieties of gifts, but the same spirit. And there are varieties of service, but the same Lord. And there are varieties of activities, but it is the same God who empowers them all in everyone. To each is given the manifestation of the spirit for the common good. So that's Paul's instructions on this very subject of, of and, and he goes further. In fact, he talks about, so the body does not consist of one, of one member, but of many, right? If the hand or the foot should say, because I'm not a hand, I do not belong to the body. That would not make it any less part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I'm not an eye, I do not belong to the body. That would not make it any less a part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing? If the whole body were in the air, where would be the sense of smell? But as it is, God arranged the members of the body, each of them, each one of them, as he chose. If all were a single member, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, yet one body. This is critical to this idea of optimal placement. And by that simply means that everyone has gifts, right? We have been gifted by the Spirit. And Paul says that, right? He says there are varieties of gifts, but the same Spirit, varieties of service and God is the one who empowers them all in some of the people in the church is that what that says no in everyone God empowers his gifts and his service in everyone who is a Christian in the church therefore we're all called to do something the challenge what we found I think if we're to evaluate and look at the traditional method of doctor uh, of entrust our typical classroom scenario you'll have a round of of, of teachers every week, right? And everyone's kind of just plugging in, plugging away, doing their thing. And the challenge is with that, with that number of teachers being involved, is that I'm not sure if it ends up 
being the optimal placement because some people are just willing to fill in a slot because they're just really good servants. They're willing to teach. They're willing to be up in front of kids because they're, they just want to bless. They want to be a part of the thing. But in evaluating, should everyone be up in front? Is everybody a hand? No. Is everybody a foot? No. So therefore, when we want to think through within trust is that there are going to be certain people who are gifted, for instance, creatively. Like they're the ones who would very much be passionate about being a little more behind the scenes, setting up a craft, getting things prepared, planning, working out creative solutions for what are we going to do today in class? What kind of game or activity? Like there are people who are just wired for that. There are others who are more wired for worship. I think of like a Tracy and a Tia Geyer or, or Lara Ekman who, who just have a gift of music and they love sharing that with children and they want to use that in entrust and they want to see children worshiping the Lord, right? So there's different gifts and then certainly there's the gift of being able to step up in front of a group of people and to unpack a deeper or a more difficult topic or concept in such a way that children get it that, that this person's able to quickly illustrate, like there's things that come to their mind that, that they're able to illustrate and help creatively guide children to better understand the Lord and these deep concepts of scripture. So that's, that's a gift of teaching. Like there's something about that that is unique, it just as gift of music, just as those who are gifted to more creative, more hands-on administrative tasks, we're all gifted in different ways. So therefore the idea of optimal placement is, I wanna make sure that we're locating every volunteer, and that's just not without, within trust, but the church at large, that we are locating every person in service where their gifts are strongest. That's the goal so that no hand feels compelled to be a foot or that somebody thinks that they're a hand and they're really a foot. <laughs> you know, like we want to place everyone where their gifts and their service will shine, where they'll be able to be most useful and fruitful. That's the goal. And again, that's beyond entrust, but specific to entrust where this comes into play with a large group assembly is when we pull together the, in a large group assembly, such as what we're doing with four to six-year-olds and what we're proposing to do, not this year, but the coming year in 2024, 2025, when we launch into that, what that allows to happen is kind of a shakedown of sorts where we're then taking those who really are, I think, more strongly skilled, gifted to teach in front of groups, to unpack those concepts, that we're actually placing them in, the, in those slots. And we're also taking those who are otherwise teachers or, or maybe because of out of the function, they just had to be. Now they're able to find the space where they feel actually more useful and fruitful. And maybe that's an assistant or in a helper position or, or whatever. And, and helping with the worship for trust, whatever it might be. We're trying to shake things down a bit and allow space so that optimal placement can happen. So I think that's a, a strong argument in favor why this is a good move. Uh, and that's where we are currently, and we're trying to work towards that. And there's a couple side, major side benefits to this as well. One thing having to do with worship, you know, one of the big blessings, and one thing we'd like to see more of, is whenever we have teams of musicians working with children, to teach them the good old songs, to teach them the songs they should be singing to the Lord. And, and we're fulfilling really what scripture in Psalm 8 too, is that the Lord is ordained out of the mouths of infants praise that we're going to provide and supply music for our little ones to rejoice and to learn how to worship. Just as I, I recall, Steve actually made a point of this in his sermon, that parents, like we're, we're called to teach our children to rejoice in the Lord, to raise their hands in the awe of Jesus, 
to, to sing out boldly, loudly, that young boys and young girls would be raised in an environment where at every turn, singing is never to be ashamed of. We're never to be ashamed of our love, our devotion to the Lord Jesus Christ. But rather, men, women, boys and girls, hands up, right, mouths open, proclaiming, singing the praises of God. That's what we're trying to build. And a part of that, what I'm excited about for this assembly, is it allows for these teams of musicians more access and more interaction with the groups of children to, again, provide them, the children, more opportunity to sing songs together, right? To learn songs together. And I'm very excited for that. For our, any musicians here who maybe have been part of that, thank you. And we're looking forward to providing more opportunities in the year ahead. So that's just one, uh, uh, one aspect of this. And then finally, one side benefit having to do with recruitment and the pooling of volunteers is, is that when we have more optimal placement, those who sign up for and trust feel less compelled to take a position that they're maybe not so comfortable up to take. <laughs> you know, maybe you sign up, you're online, you're at the registration tab, you see all the things that are open that need to be filled. Maybe your impulse in that moment is, I better just fill a slot. Well, hopefully pulling resources like this in the large group assembly allows for you, when it's time to sign up, you're not faced with this, oh man, this kind of the intimidation of, do I really have to be a teacher? Isn't there something better? Or, or, I, or aren't I better suited for something else? Well, this hopefully will help, again, shape and guide even our recruitment process and pulling our volunteers. So that's the goal. That's what we're looking to do and launch in 2023 or 2024, 2025. So this next year, just to kind of uh, unpack, what does that look like for us for the next year? Well, we are going to kick off a little assembly. It's like assembly uh, lowercase l, large assembly. So it's large, case, large assembly, lowercase l. And what we're going to do is every entrust uh, starting in September, we're going to gather all of the kiddos, first through third or first through fourth grade, they're going to have worship together. So for the first 10 or 12 minutes, they're going to worship together. That'll get the kids and all the adults used to this. We're just going to take a little step, worship together for the next year. We'll do that and we'll tweak it. We'll, we'll try to make it so that it's as easy and as clear for everybody involved. It gives you a chance to exercise and work this out. What are we supposed to be doing when we're all together? How do we order this group? How do we keep control? All those kind of questions I think we'll settle out after we go through this exercise over the next year. So the goal is we'll take a little step, a large assembly with a, a lowercase l, with the hopes of uppercase l large assembly launch in 2024, 2025, okay? So that's the goal. That's the goal. That's the hope. That's what we're planning to do. And obviously, at any point, if you have questions or you have concerns, you know, these are the kind of things that we want to have conversations and talk through so that everyone here, we're all together. There's not this sense of you know, fear, intimidation or or disbelief that this possibly is a good idea. So as much as possible. So let me let me just open for Q&A on that point. So this is kind of a new fangled idea. Maybe for the first time you've heard it. Is there anything any questions, any concerns that come right to mind as we talk about a large group assembly and shifting this gear? Anybody? It's okay if there's not. And you can always come back later. You can always come back later. One question was asked last week, and I'll touch on it and maybe show. Oh, sir, yes. To break the ice. There, so break optimal, it. Is optimal placement replacing compulsory scheduling as far as policy in next year? No. No. no, we're all about the compulsory around here. <laughs> <laughs> Matt? Yeah, I was just going to say, I think 
now, to be funny. Uh, yeah, I think there's still going to be need. And by compulsory scheduling, I think you mean by that is that, that we are requiring or asking all parents within and trust. Yeah, yeah, we still want to keep that policy in effect because that's what I think to the lar a large degree is keeping us well stocked. Uh, and the minute I think we take the expectation off that parents get involved within trust, it, it may have that effect. However, however, we might find, and this is something we have to find out in the years ahead, could it result and we need a smaller pool of volunteers? And if that's the case, that will probably help us tweak our policies and think through, does it need to be compulsory? I don't know. I, I just, want to be clear on it. yeah, that's good. Yeah, I'm just not sure, but it might result in that. I just don't know initially, at least, whether that'll be the effect. So we'll give it a couple of years, I think, before we get to that. Good question. Yes, ma'am. Oh, good question. Yeah, that'd be fun. Now, now we'll definitely. Uh, I'm sorry, I, I didn't. I didn't break into that. I apologize. Yeah, thank you for clarifying. Yeah, the opening session will be basically the teaching. Instruction will happen with all the all the kids together. So worship and instruction, and then we'll break into our small groups for for snacks, activities, and a follow up. Does that make sense? So yeah, there will be a mix. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Just elementary. Yeah, just first. Yeah, first grade through fourth grade. So yeah, they don't one year olds with the fourth graders. Yeah, well, uh, yeah, it's elementary. I'm talking specifically elementary age, first to fourth grade assembly. Yeah, that's good. Thank you for asking that. Yeah, this is why we need questions because I'm not always clear. Anybody else? Clark. Yes, sir. Physical space. Are you envisioning first to fourth grade fitting in one of these rooms, or would we have to do Probably, uh, probably have to. Yeah, we'll have. Uh, this is going to be part of the. I think testing it next. This next round and, and with the worship time is, we're going to close walls. We're going to open walls. We're going to have all kinds of moving and shifting of, of chairs and tables between like the large group assembly then to their individual groups. So we'll have. I'm sure we'll have like uh, priests who wear special clothes who deal with the walls, and uh, and so that no one is crushed. Um, Exactly. <laughs> so we'll, these are the kind of things that will probably require some flexibility and some learning curve as we go ahead into the next year. It'll give us a chance to really see how does this function, how does it work best. So, yeah, good question. Anybody else? Yeah. Is it every week? And also, do you just bring your kids here and drop them off? Yes. Yes and yes. Yeah. Three at one time. Just like that. Yeah. Right. Right. Yeah, you're going to, yeah, three for the price of one. So we have first grade through fourth grade again, large group assembly here. So parents will drop off, will be here in this room. And then there's going to be some special, and we'll talk about that, check-ins, how that might affect check-ins and how that looks with a group assembly like this that we'll have to walk you through training in. And in fact, I think what we're planning on doing is having some sort of clear dry runs of what is this supposed to look like before a trust launches uh, with this format especially coming in 24, 25. We want to make sure everyone's comfortable thinking this through, what it should look like. Yeah. Shallon? Yeah, that was the same kind of thing. Just wondering, like, is each, is the teacher of each class going to be, like, checking in their students? Or, like, is there going to be one master list for every right. person? Right. Yeah, it's going to be every teacher. And they're going to have, like, we're going Star Trek here, but we're, everyone's going to have, like, a, a separate device that has their kids' names that they check off. So it'll allow for quick and easy kind of check-in that, that every teacher is going to have to, monitor that for their own group yeah 
It's a good question. Anybody else? Before we move on, yeah, Denise. So you were talking about how, um, as members, we all need to, like, as finding the good placement to have. So have you found that there are teachers and helpers that are uncomfortable in their position? Is that, like, part yeah. of the reason there are? I think, that, you know, I, I wouldn't, if you interview everyone in Entrust, you'll probably find that there are many willing people, many, you know, who are who actually are quite gifted and are able to do it well. Um, and then there are others who, who have been perfectly willing to do it and will continue to do it. But when you really push, like with it, when the moment comes that they have to step down from it, I don't think they're going to miss it. You know, it's that kind of experience, you know, when you, when you shake things down like that. And then there's, you know, there's, I wonder, I've not interviewed and, and had a big survey about this, but you wonder even with recruitment, if there is some intimidation factor that, that kind of hangs out there because there's not a, you know, in this case, we're, because we've been operating more out of triage over years previous, it's like just anyone coming, 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 quick, run, go fill a spot, you know, where people end up, I'm not, I don't feel like I could do that. So that, those are some of the factors I'm, I'm trying to, we're, we're bearing in mind why it might improve things, you know. Any follow-up on that or no? Oh, and follow-up. Follow-up, okay. Yes? Have you, like, did this idea come from observation? Like, is there another church that's done this and, like, makes mm -hmm. it easy to success? I'm just curious. Yeah. Yeah, Covenant Life for years did. I mean, they, that's all they've done for decades. And that, that's something I we, ex, we were exposed to uh, while we were living a Covenant Life for the time at, at Pastors College. Same with Steve and, 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 and the other pastors. Um, and then other churches, yeah, that we've, we've encountered this before. But then... Having pulled the trigger with the four to six year olds assembly time really got us thinking like that that format seemed to really work. What about elementary grades? So having tested it ourselves in our own midst, that I think is the strongest case to move the ne to the next step. Yeah. Okay. Anybody else? Challenge. Yes. And then the children go to their classes, and then you're going to do more worship. I mean, there are going to be some kids who are going to love that, and then there's going to be some kids like, we just sang, we <laughs> now we got to sing some more. I, mean, I don't know, maybe that's a thought to just yeah. like think about maybe bookending it, because as, I mean, when class starts, you might have more attention at the beginning of class, mm -hmm. but like if you're starting out with singing, and, and there are, yeah, I don't know, so maybe like get their attention with the lesson first, and then, right. uh, so I mean, just... Absolutely, is a potential, and that's something we can we can even mix up a bit. You know, maybe we can surprise the kids. We start out with worship one time, and next time we start out with a skit. The other thing is like involving other creative elements. I, I love about a large group assembly to have a puppet team, to have a skit crew, to have all these different other creative parts added to an assembly time will be such a bonus. Did you know that Crossway Church owns puppets? You didn't know that, did you? <laughs> We are basically like a veritable Jim Henson. We have like at least four or five of them, like the kinds of like the, like I can't wait till we have a puppet ministry. We've been missing that. Like revival's going to happen when we take out those puppets, and the kids are like, whoa! Oh, good point. Yeah, he was a guy who invented puppets, I guess, or something like that. So yeah, so these, these are the kind of things that I'm looking forward to, to answer your question, to add more interesting, creative aspects to what happens in those large group assemblies. So it's not just maybe coming right in, worship right away. And so yeah, give some. All right, maybe time for one more. Greg. 
Have you considered flammograph? <laughs> Absolutely, brother. Yeah, I'm, I'm proposing that this whole wall becomes flannel. And, uh, and we're going to have life-sized flannel graph. <laughs> Love it. We're like a, a wall of Velcro and we'll throw kids up on it. And they'll be the, the characters of the Bible. All right. Well, we're going to transition now to Shiloh. So let's welcome Shiloh. I'm, I'm really, really, really excited about um, bringing the music in for the kids. Um, there was something... Oh, I know what it was. Um, the question about compulsory serving in every parent. I wanted to really highlight that there are so many of you who do not have children in trust who are continuing to serve. Um, younger, younger families, younger adults who don't have children, older people who are maybe teaching their grandkids or maybe not their grandkids. They don't have anybody in trust. It, it genuinely takes a massive commitment from a wide spectrum of people. Um, and I'm really thankful for all of you guys. Um, so just practically, some things that we're looking at for the assembly beginning, for the music time. Um, what we're going to do is the people leading music will stand roughly here. So we're going to have a couple of rows of chairs set up about here and then in that back, that second classroom as well. So that this space over here is open for the kids to come in and then mostly stand while they're while they're singing so what we'd like to do is have both of those doors for kids to come in and we'd like a third grade teacher and a fourth grade teacher to be at each door um not no one of them at each and all they're doing is the kids are coming in is checking to make sure they have a tag and then sending the kid to which class group they'll be um so right to start with, and as Doug said, we're going to be doing some tweaking. So to start with, we're aiming to have a clump of first graders and then a clump of second graders and then third graders and fourth graders kind of just lined up. Um, so the two teachers at the doors are just checking tags and sending them to their group. And then at each individual group, the teachers for that week will be checking the kids roster there at the place. So it should be I think we've seen in the four to six that if we're just checking to see that the kids are coming in and going to the right table, it flows fairly smoothly and it should be coming in pretty quickly. Um, and then the music leader is going to start off the time um, with prayer and then one or two songs. We're just taking the time to walk through the song slowly. Um, I think sometimes kids can hear the rhythms and hear the melodies and have a vague understanding but some of the songs that we sing are spoken very poetically that doesn't always translate particularly to first graders and second graders who are just starting to read um so we'd like to take the time to kind of break those down so that the children can hear that the words that are coming out of their mouth are are speaking to each other the gospel truths that they're hearing at home the same gospel truths they're hearing in class they are able to sing those together and we, we sing the same songs upstairs, but again, if you're this high and there's somebody up here standing in front of you, you can't see the words. It's hard to know. Um, it's harder for the children to participate, not participate. Um, oh, what's the word I'm looking for? It's ownership. If, if they're worshiping together and the words and the music have been um, accommodated for them, are, are, we would love to see that translate 
to greater participation than with their parents. It's a tool to help them worship with the body of Christ more universally. So after they sing, the music leaders will then uh, dismiss the children to their groups again. And then we're gonna have first grade walk out to the current first grade classroom. Second grade will walk out to the current second grade classroom. And then third and fourth grade, um, one teacher from each will help shut the walls um, some of you know our third and third and fourth graders, so have the kids sit down and then shut the walls and <laughs> you guys know. Um, Dave and, and or uh, um, a building administrator will help you guys on the first couple of weeks to make sure everybody knows how to shut the walls. And from that point, the class will continue as normal. Um, and then dismissal will happen at each individual classroom, just like we have been doing. Um, so that's the framework that we're working with right now. Um, do you guys have any questions on that outline, roughly? Is it going to be like a hymn of the month, or is it going to be totally up to the whoever's leading worship on what they're singing that week? I'm asking them to start with a couple of specific songs. Um, what I'd really like to do is start with one song and then add a second one and then just kind of layer and overlap. Um, we're also talking about having them do a song at Christmas so that the kids can spend time in class working on the song for Christmas Eve and maybe a little less practice. So hopefully, we'll see. Um, but that's the goal. So is that going to be available to the parents while we're singing that week so we can work with them at home? Or? That would be optimal. Yeah. So I, w I would like to, yes. Yeah. I'm sorry, I didn't know the question. <laughs> um, so I wanted to move on to child safety. Um, as Doug pointed out, the manual is online and available. Um, please read it either online. Um, the expectation is that for every volunteer over 16, you read the manual every year and then sign the affidavit saving that you've read it. If you are under 16, that's a parent parental discretion um, and there is no affidavit to sign for the under 16s. Um, as volunteers working with children, every single one of us is a mandated reporter for the state of Pennsylvania. Um, if you're unfamiliar with that, what that looks like, take some time and read through the manual. If you have any questions, talk to myself or Dave or Doug or um, any of your team leaders. Um, it's, it's important to be aware of some of these other safety aspects that we go through. All of these things are not just, I grew up in New Zealand, so we had training and stuff to do like if a volcano erupts, right? If I were to give you volcano eruption training, it would be, oh, all right, what do I do with that? But the safety things that we're talking about are real and genuine and not just for somebody in another country or in another area. Um, so please, take it to heart um, and yeah. Um, so with that in mind, we always, always have two adults in a classroom. Um, it doesn't matter, there's always two adults in a classroom, but teen helpers do not count as an adult. So if you ha are stuck, find somebody to come in and be your second adult. Um, for bathrooms in the 12 and 18 month classes, you don't usually have to change diapers, but there are facilities to change diapers. If you're uncomfortable, if you'd rather not call the parent, you always have the option to call the parent. In the two and three-year-old class, we do not change diapers. If they need their diaper changed, you do call the parent. Um, and then for the two through four classrooms, they all have the little shared bathrooms. So just remind the kids to try to lock the door, the adjoining door. 
Um, if, you, if you need to, make sure the bottom door is shut for the child's privacy, but if you need to, leave that top little door shut so that you can remind them to flush and whatever they need to do. Um, if you need to go in and help the child with soap or, or paper towels or whatever, leave that top door open again and just let the other adult in your classroom know that you're stepping into the bathroom. Um, and again, if a child has a situation, call the parent and the parent can come and help with whatever they need. Um, since we've moved to downstairs and we've done some tweaking with the bathroom arrangements for the elementary classes, all the elementary classes have a bathroom pass on the door. If a child needs to go to the bathroom, we're asking you to just remind them to hook the bathroom pass on the hook outside the bathroom. Um, and that indicates that somebody is in that bathroom. And so if another child or an adult comes along, they just skip that bathroom and go to the next one. Even the bathrooms that have stalls for more than one person, we don't want, um, we don't want multiple children in the bathroom together and we don't want an adult and a child in the bathroom together. So if there's a tag on the outside of the door, they just move on. And the ushers will help monitor that. That's not you guys' responsibility to check and see who's going where. But you guys do need to just remind the kids Put the tag on the door and go to a bathroom that doesn't have a tag um and the elementary kids do not need assistance in the bathroom so if they need to go to the bathroom they don't need you to accompany them just send them to the bathroom and obviously if you have a child who's vomiting or got blood coming out of their nose or whatever and you need to get them to the bathroom take them um but let the usher know and get a parent down there as soon as possible always always call your parents use your parents to deal with the things that are parent things um, on page, oh, I'm sorry, I forgot to tell you, the mandated reporter stuff is around page 20 in the manual, if you want to make a note, but you're all going to read the entire thing anyway, so you'll find it. <laughs> um, page 29 and 30 talks about our missing child policy. Um, it's specifically talking about if a child you have your child marked on your roster and then they're not in class. So just double check the bathrooms, check behind the little kitchen, check under the tables, check the cupboards, and then you immediately notify an usher and we go to the rest of the missing child policy. But we have small children who are below eyesight and those little ones are slippery and they're speedy and they're little sinners and they don't always do what they need to do. So they're if you have a child escape your class, you're stuck because a lot of the, a lot of your classes have two adults, but you've got a child on the loose and that's a, that's a lot of things to try to juggle and do the right way. So we wanna to try to give you a bit of a framework for that. So if you're in class and you have somebody sneak out, you do need to get that child first. That is your top priority. So as you go, by God's grace, this shouldn't be happening in elementary. So obviously <laughs> I'm talking, hopefully not the four-year-olds, but four and under. If you have a child, as you're going past, holler at the usher and say, hey, can you cover my class? Can you be the second adult? I've got to go get this child. Um, we've also found that sometimes this has a tendency to happen at check-in and check-out because you're talking to the adults and the children are doing all the things down below your eyesight. So they're sneaking out and off the stairs and everywhere. If you need to go get a child, um, say, hey, parent, can you be in class? But we, we want the teacher, adult, a teacher or an adult assistant to get the child. We do not want the teen helpers going after the child. The teacher or the adult has to go after the child. Um, our preference is to grab, so 
get the child, but tell somebody else to be your second adult. The preference is to bring the child back to class so that you can release them from class. But if you have a situation where the child gets all the way to the parent, just compare the tag with the parent tag and then go ahead and release, release the child to the parent at that point. Um, if as you're going after them, you lose visual contact, you need to notify an usher because that puts us straight into our missing child policy then and our 20 minute timer starts at that point. So again, bring the child back. And by God's grace, we have never had a situation where we've had to use the 20 minute timer, but just so that you have a framework of how that all works. Um, You guys have all been working a little bit with PCO already. We've all been checking in as teachers. Um, we've been checking in our children. You guys should all know that we can check your children in rem um, remotely, but as teachers, we have to physically check in. So we are asking you to check in downstairs, but the good thing is now you can check your children in downstairs as well. You don't have to do kids upstairs and parents downstairs. It all can happen downstairs. Um, and then, you should already be getting invites from Marissa early in the week for when you're ready to serve. Um, just a couple of things that we wanted to talk about with regard to finding a sub. If you know well in advance that you're making a trade, go ahead and let us know. And hopefully I communicate accurately with Marissa and we can actually send the invites to the right people that have swapped. It doesn't always work, but the goal is to send the right invites so that we don't even have to worry about it. If it happens a little later and you do get an invite, but you've made a swap, just decline, but tell us who you've traded with or who's stepping in for you um, so that we can just make sure that they have their tags ready to print and everything. Um, and I know sometimes, especially at this time of year, everybody's on vacation, it can be hard to find a sub. So if you're struggling, go ahead and decline the invite, but let us know, hey, I'm still working on it or I've sent messages out to 35 people and I just don't know. Let us know where you are in that process and we'll try to help figure out how we can rearrange and how we can shuffle to make sure that you're covered. But the big thing is just let us know where you are so that we're not guessing on Sunday morning. Um, Dave, do you have that? that. I get, I'm really, really excited. I get to show you the tablet and um, we're starting it next week. So um, I know Denise is teaching next week. So I'm just excited for everybody else who gets to try this. So you guys are going to have your tablets in your classrooms now. Um, just like you wouldn't take the three-year-old roster to third grade and expect it to work, you can't take the three-year-old tablet to the third grade classroom and expect it to work. You're going to have a specific tablet for every class. So for the assembly, when you guys come in early to set up your classroom, just make sure you have your tablet in the assembly room so that you can mark your rosters with the children and then you're going to take it back to your classroom so that you can check them out from your classroom and it, it honestly it, that respect is no different than the clipboard so when your tablet's on you're going to see the purple square with a check mark in the bottom corner as parents check in and print tags the kids are going to auto populate there at the top of the page under the unconfirmed tab and so as they come to your class all you're going to you see the down arrow all you're gonna do as they come to class is check the down arrow. It's gonna pause for a minute because I have a really bad problem with looking at one thing in the store and grabbing the one right next to it. And it happens on the iPad as well. So it'll give you a second to check and make sure that you actually did check in Zebedee and not Audrey. 
right? Um, once it's checked in, you can't uncheck it. And the same with checkout. So you're gonna take time. If you need to undo it, you need to do it in that pause moment because once it's done, it's gone. Um, now, do you see how once they've been checked in, the arrow moves to that way and their um, security number is underneath their name now. Um, you'll see a speech bubble. You can contact the parents. It sends them a, um, a text directly. It's pre-scripted, but it tells you specifically which child and which classroom you'd like them to come to. You can choose either or both parents. Um, since this is fairly new, we're recommending you text both parents because people may not always have their phones on them. Um, and we will be working to phase out the, the projection system. Um, but we also know that sometimes people don't always catch it, so we'll be using it for a little while. Um, so if you need to call a parent, that's how you do it. Um, and then if you notice on ASA, the little heartbeat sign, that's gonna tell you any allergies or health information that, you're, that the child needs. Um, so before snack, you don't need it so much in elementary because of no snack, but it's helpful to familiarize yourself. And definitely in the lower grades where they have snack, just make sure you're checking those to see so that you're not poisoning small children. Um, it's frowned on. Um, when it comes time to check out, so right now only Zebedee and Asa are checked in. When it comes time to check out, the parents are going to come and they're going to show you the tag and you're going to compare the parent tag, the, the parent tag with the number there and then hit the sideways arrow. And again, it's going to wait, make sure you got the right kid. When you've hit that button, particularly in those low grades, because again, we don't want the two and three year olds running amok. Um, when you hit that button, then open the bottom door and let the let one child out at a time and close it again. It's just to keep everybody safe and secure while your attention is interacting with the parents and the numbers so that the children are not sneaking out. Keep that door closed in between every um, release. And then you'll notice there's the other tab that's checked out and it shows that whoever you've checked out is completely checked out. Um, if a parent has to print a second tag, these numbers are change every single time a tag is reprinted. Um, so if a parent has to reprint a tag, the child will go back up to the unconfirmed section. So if I've checked in Alec, and then I realize that I lost the tag or my phone went blank, um, and I have to reprint, he's gonna go back up to unconfirmed even though he's still in your class go ahead and check him in again because he's in your class but make sure you're noting that because you know if you've checked in and they go back to unconfirmed you know that that's been reprinted so double check the tag that i bring but also if somebody that is not me or bryce comes to pick up alec and you know you've had to recheck him in ask some questions because you know that tag has been redone um, if you're ever ever uncomfortable releasing a child to an adult please ask and trust leadership to come and we'll help walk with you in that. Um, that number is a safety feature. It's not an identifier, but it's something that we want to make sure helps keep our kids safe. Um, and then 
finally, just make sure you are always, always matching tags. When kids are checking out at the classroom, you're matching the tags with the parent tags. If we have a fire drill and we're releasing kids at a fire drill, you're always matching tags. Um, if you have to take a child to the classroom where their parents are teaching, you're matching their tag. If a parent forgets their child and you take them to the welcome desk, you're matching the tag. You're always matching tags to make sure we're not just saying, okay, my job's done and letting the kids go out. Um, that's all I have. Do you guys have questions? Vivian. Is it possible on these tablets to call the teacher's It's not, it's not, but you can, your team leaders, oh, wait. Usually we have it on the roster, your team leader's phone number. Um, so we'll find a way to make sure that at least your team leader's number is on in your classroom. Yeah, yeah. Kayla. The visitors will check in at the front desk and so that they will show up. They'll, show up they'll just show up here just like all the other kids so in my particular case will it text me as mom or just me since he's not a member it would just text it's just you me. <laughs> These are on the wireless, right? No, for texting parents. But like if we like oh. I don't have any yeah. service down here. Limited yeah. service upstairs. Like I I never rely on my phone right. on a Sunday when I come to church. That like it stays in my purse because it's barely useless. Yeah. Right. There are going to be situations where we need Yeah. And as a general rule, we know where the teachers are down here. And right. we'll... That's also the problem in trying to contact directors, too. That's the true. Down here, yeah. It's pretty hard to get a hold of. Yeah. yeah. Which is part of the benefit of having the usher right here and there. Um, right here, all of the elementary classes have easy access to an usher. And in the, in the preschool area, you guys all have teen helpers and they've got young legs. That's what they're there for. <laughs> um, what do you do if there is a discrepancy in terms of like, so I feel bad. My, I have an escape artist, so my kid is part of the problem here, but um, he had gotten out at some point. I don't know when. And then when I went to pick him up, he, he wasn't there. Sure. And the teachers didn't know because at that point there wasn't a check out. So they were like, oh, he's just not here. Yes. I guess someone maybe got him. Um, so if at the end you've gone through and there are no more kids, but you haven't checked off any, like, is there a process for verifying that they were picked up and they didn't just escape? You know what I'm saying? This should eliminate that because we actually have visuals of who checked out. And if not, and like a parent like you would come, we would go to missing child. Okay. I mean, obviously we would check with your spouse as well immediately, but we would go straight to missing child because we don't have record of them. 
anywhere. But we would have record of them being checked into class. Right. So, yeah. I just didn't know, that, like, if as a teacher I get to the end of, like, there are no kids, everyone's gone, and I still have a name that's not listed as checked out, like, what is the procedure then? Missing child. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Because, and, and yeah. Text yeah. parents, like, do you know who did and then missing child or just missing child? I would go to an usher first and start that timer and then text the parents. Okay. I think you misclick and start checking someone in. Yes. How do you undo it? So you just check it again. Okay. So, yeah. You've got like, I think I counted seven seconds. Okay. So, yeah. So in the past, one child's left, two teachers, parents aren't showing up, the two teachers leave, and then just theoretical good idea. Um, it's usually my kid, isn't it? to do that, or should we say, no, stay in the class? I think... It was me. I forgot Asa. <laughs> 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 so there's there's a huge gamut of how that works um, and a huge part of it is like if it's a visitor you don't want to even if there's two adults with them you don't want to be checking the visitor all over church where their parents don't know where they are um, if it's somebody where you know where they're teaching definitely two adults take them down to the class that's great um, if it's excessively long and it's not they're not teaching and take them up to the welcome desk um, but yeah two teachers together will be that and you can always text me or one of your team leaders um if you're yeah if you have a concern <laughs> yeah um how does checking out work with like siblings especially in younger grades and if like a sticker would be reprinted do the parents need two stickers so you mean like if i have a tag and bryce has a tag and i send audrey with uh, and Audrey needed to get another child. Is that what you're asking? No, like I know, like as one tag. Yes. Yes. One tag. You reprinted it just for one child. There's a new code. Oh. Okay. Okay. So you had two children, two children that already have the same tag as your first one, and then you forgot and reprinted the third one. You would need separate tags for just the child you printed, right? Mm -hmm. I think so. Yeah. And yes, the tags only send you one tag. Um, so if you check in with your phone, um, you have your number on your phone. And Bryce actually had a really good idea today. He said, take a screenshot because when you're down here, it resets and you can't use it anyway. So take a screenshot and you'll have that for that week. And somebody can check out with the phone and you have the paper copy for your spouse or your older child or whatever. Yeah. Yes. Well, we still have in the four to six year olds, each table will still have the clipboard. Yes, I forgot that. Each table will still have the paper clipboard, and I'm going to have some sort of color coded thing so that the teacher can send them to the right spot at the right time, and you can take your full attendance when the dust settles. Once or 
we don't act, we don't have one written down, but we oh we do. Apparently, <laughs> 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 I don't know it. So, yeah. Want to speak to that? In all seriousness, that's, that's, that's yeah. legit. That's legit. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. And that's a, that's a huge, huge thing a lot of churches have to, we have to give thought to because, my goodness, it's happening. It's happening. So, yeah. Give, I mean, that's, that's something we talk about, maybe giving access and making sure that all entrusted uh, volunteers have access to our Wi-Fi. That shouldn't be an issue. Um, yeah, I think so. We could probably create an own, its own little network just in trust. Something for Dave to do this next week. Um, <laughs> no, he wouldn't do it. But uh, create an entrust. It would probably no passcode or anything to get on, so it would be easy and simple not to get in. Um, if that if that helps that absolutely we're open to providing that i'm not sure if there's a way to actually get cell phone i think we've tried it haven't yeah, we i would have to research that i think it has more to do with the cell tower than whatever yeah 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 definitely get wi-fi going yeah it's good it's good well say again old school could it be like a red phone? Like the bat phone. Yeah. Love it. yeah. 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 It's good. So I think uh, yeah, for the time being, I, I think key is probably just get some sort of universal access to Wi-Fi so that you can at least make emergency calls. You'd be able to do that on Wi-Fi. That's, that's a given. Um, and then if you're with a network or on the Wi-Fi, I think you'd be able to handle texting whoever in the building too. So. All right. Well, listen, we can, uh, if there's further questions, why don't we do this? I'll just field them personally or, or Shiloh and I will hang around a little bit and, um, and Dave as well. But I think again, just hopefully this, if, if, if you've heard a few things, you know, instructive, you know, hopefully, uh, some exciting times ahead with our technology and all that, but more importantly that, that you've heard our heart, that, uh, we're so grateful for what you do and, and how you do it and how you've done it faithfully for so many years, for some of you for a long time. For some of you more recently that you've stepped up, especially I think of the teen helpers or the young adults who are getting involved or singles who are getting involved. This is such a precious thing and our children are such a precious commodity and I'm very, 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 very grateful to God for, for each of you. So let me pray a blessing. 
Father, thank you for this, this time and for all that transpired. I pray you guide and direct us into the year ahead, Lord, that uh, as we prepare our minds and hearts to teach, to train, to love these kids, Lord, I pray your blessing be with us, that there could be real gospel fruit, that, that children would be born again as a result of their parents' training and discipleship, and, and as a result of the influence and care and the example of other adults and other children and in, 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 in through in trust and Doctrine 101 and Doxa. Lord, use these things for your glory and for the, the salvation of our children. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Amen.